I was hoping we'd worship for longer because the power's coming back on at 10. And then we could kill that and go back onto ESCOM, which is at least quieter. But anyway, try and ignore the generator now that I've mentioned it. Um, and uh, let's focus on God. Can I start with praying? Yeah. Yeah, Father, as we already spend time in your presence this morning, Lord, we want to continue pressing into your presence and your word. Yeah, God, we just need you. We get so involved and consumed with our own lives, Lord. Would you break into our lives this morning? Would you come and direct our steps? Would you change the way we look at things, Lord? Welcome to Josh Jen, to the, to the visitors. And uh, I hope that you find God amongst us more than anything else. That is really the desire of our hearts, is to find God uh, among us. The scripture this morning I have is Ephesians 4. And it's been a little bit of a banner over the whole of 412 movement for the last couple of weeks. If, you, if you're a follower of the Facebook page of 412, you would have seen this. And um, uh, it's Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 3. It says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. I specifically grabbed this translation of the Bible, the, the New Living Translation. Uh, like the King James before it, it starts the sentence with a word, therefore. In the NIV version, you will probably find that it doesn't start with therefore. And I think in the Afrikaans Bible, who's got the old Afrikaans Bibles? Not many of us. <laughs> Maybe it starts with Darom, therefore. So a little bit of a background on, on Ephesus, the church. Ephesus, the church, was founded by Paul. So Paul's writing this letter to a church that he started. He planted this church. In Acts 19, you can see how this church started. Paul traveled through Asia Minor, and he got to the town of Ephesus. That was a very busy, very happening city in Asia. It was actually sort of like the port through which the whole of Asia was fed economically and otherwise. And Paul got there, and he found people that had already heard of what they called the way, the gospel. They'd already heard of it. How many people do you think he found there? Ten. Ten men in Ephesus. That's what he found. And he started speaking to these ten guys that he found. I had a prayer meeting with them. And he said, have you been baptized? And they said, yeah, with the baptism of John. And he said, no, wait a minute. Not just the baptism of John. And he baptized them into Jesus. And then he prayed for them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Ten men. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And they started speaking in tongues. That weird thing that, the, that some churches do, right? Hopefully we do that. They sp started speaking in different languages. And then it says, and many miracles, like many powerful miracles was done by Paul in Ephesus. Here's some of the, some of the stuff. Like, now, if you hear that there's a church now on earth that does this, I think 
you might have a wobble. Paul, it says this, that handkerchiefs, I don't have handkerchiefs, um, I have tissues. Have you got a tissue? Uh, that tissue is a dish, clean tissue from Liesl. <laughs> it's my wife's clean tissue. It doesn't look clean. Anyway, it said that he touched handkerchiefs. And if it touched his skin, they would take that to somebody else that's sick and put it on them and they'd be healed. Like an apron that he would have been wearing, working probably or something. They would take that to somebody that's sick and they get healed. If we hear that today, we would think, Ooh, what's going on? This is the church of Ephesus. He stayed in Ephesus for two years. He went to the synagogue. He started preaching there. And then the Jews got a little bit upset with the, the gospel. And then he left the synagogue. And he preached in a lecturing hall for two years. And the entire church in Asia was started through Ephesus. Because he taught for two years. That's like a degree in theology. Imagine being in that class seven days a week with Paul, teaching. I mean, we just have his letters. What else did he say? Two years of teaching, and the church was birthed. Now he writes to them. He writes a letter to them. This is years later. He's in jail. When he says a prisoner for serving God, it doesn't mean he can't freely do things. He can't drink as much as he wanted to. His life is, is sort of bound in, and he doesn't have freedom because of the gospel. He means he's in jail, in Rome, incarcerated. So he's saying, therefore, I a prisoner. What's the first part of the letter though? Because it's therefore, therefore, what did the first part say? So one, two, three, short version is the gospel. He's reminding them of the gospel. So Ephesians one, two, three, he reminds them. He's just like, this is what Jesus did for you. Remember those miracles. Remember how he grew from 10 to hundreds our churches burst out of you. Remember that. Remember the powerful work that the Holy Spirit was doing when, when I was there and hopefully still doing through you. And then he goes, therefore, because of what Jesus has done, because of the power of the Holy Spirit in you, I beg you, not please, will you, I beg you, please, I beg you, live a life worthy of the calling because you have been called by God. Now, in reading the Bible every day of your life, this is the type of thing you should be doing. You should be looking at Scripture this way. You should be analyzing this. You should say, who wrote it? Who did he write it to, and why did he write it? And what does it say to me today? This is the basics of Bible reading every day of your life. Why? Because we have to remove the filters from our own eyes. All of us read the whole of life and everything that happens to us through some filter. We have tinted glasses. Who wears dark glasses that's polarized? Huh? I do. You should really get some. They're good for your eyes. Polarized glasses. What they do, though, is they change the things you look at. You drive to the Karoo towards George, and uh, my aunt was visiting us. Some of you met her. And we're driving through Karoo, and I said, see how green it is. And she didn't have the response I thought she would have. And I took my glasses off and I was like, oh, it's not that green anymore. <laughs> Summer has set in. <laughs> but those glasses that I had on changed what I saw. And we all do that. Beatrice and I had a conversation yesterday. He says, 
you read a book that says you enter every conversation and everything you read with an already defined script in your head and in your heart. When you hear me speak this morning, you see me in a certain way. Either you know me and you know something about me and now you're hearing, maybe you trust me more, maybe you trust me less, hopefully more. But you hear me through your own lens. You put church in a certain category in your life and you hear what is said in church and you maybe you leave it in that box of church. And that's a dangerous thing. So other than your own personal lens, you're also influenced by the world that you live in. And in our Western world, there are two major influences on us. would be individualism and, where's my other note? The word escapes me, but the concept is this, that it is hearing things and making up your own mind what it means. So that's the world that you've, you've grown up in. You might not know this, but this is the major influence in the Western world, is that you're an individual, and the other thing is that everything you hear is open to your own interpretation. And that's dangerous, because it means that you read what Paul wrote, and you say, what does it mean to me? And you fail to hear what it meant. You've got to do some mental work here and remove yourself and the lens that you watch through away from the scripture. What does he say? He says, you have been called by God. You have been called by God. As an individual in the Western world, it means that you are special, that you are the big evangelist. God has called you to that. God has called me to lead this church. God has called some of us to be worship leaders, some of us to be in the church and look after the kids. Some of us are called by God to serve the community, give them food, make sure that they looked after. It's not true. That's not the call of God. Those we call gifts. They come up later in Ephesians 4, 4.12 actually. That's where the gifts are, later. What is the call of God on your life? We'll get there. I asked my children what the call is on their life. Because they grew up in Josh Jen. And after 20 years of Josh Jen, Michael said, I'm not sure. Oops. <laughs> I said, sorry, we failed you. After 20 years in church, you should know what the call of God is on your life. There is a call on your life. It is not your own thing. It is not to be a doctor. It is not to be in the workplace. It is not to make money. It is not for your children to be the best in athletics. As much fun as it is to run around a track. It is not for your children to be the best at school. It is not for you guys to have all A's. It is not for you to to be the most popular. It is not for you to be built the strongest and go to gym. It is not. What is it then? Jesus gives us some some, uh, hints. In John 17, verse 21, he prayed that they may be one Father. Jesus could ask God for anything. What did he ask? He said, Father, that they may be one. What's the big command over us? The biggest command. They asked Jesus, what's the biggest command? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And love your neighbor 
as yourself. You are called to be devoted to God and to each other. If you look around to the person next to you today, everybody here, you're called to this, to this, to church. That is what you were called to. That's the big call over each and every life. It is not the gifts. The gifts are given by Jesus. Why? To build the saints up to do the work of the ministry. You would, some people would say, no, 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 wait a minute. This theology doesn't sound sound. Isn't the big command from Jesus that we should go and make disciples and teach them everything that he has taught? Isn't that the big command? Isn't that the call? I don't think you can separate the two, see? Because Jesus said, how will the world know that you are my disciples? By the way, you love one another. If we do not love one another like Jesus loved us, we are not his disciples. Or we can't be we can't be seen as his disciples. So the world will look at us. So you might be saved, but you're a disciple. Are you a true follower? Only if we love one another that much. How much did Jesus love me? Enough to give his life for me. God help us. Seriously, God needs to help us. Because I am not that lovable that anyone should give their life to me. My wife might. Might. At some times. <laughs> I think she would. She has. <laughs> but can I give my life for more than my wife? Would I lay it down for two of us? Would I? For bad night. For the newest person that walked through the door today that I don't know, would I lay down my life? That's the call. For that, we definitely need God. I'm telling you, it's supernatural. You cannot do that without Jesus. What about your desire for the more? I think there are two groups now. The one group would be people that have a desire for more. Like you're burning. I want to do more for God. I, I'm burning. I can't help myself. Now you're saying, I shouldn't do that. That's not what I'm saying. You're saying, but I can't help myself. I have to look after the... I have to... I see this. I have to fix it. I'm getting involved. I have to do this. But those are the gifts that God's given you. And those gifts belong inside the church and operating through God's church. It's no longer about you. See, the thing is, if you're on your own mission, it's about you. But if you bring that gift into the church and you, and you do that, it gets amplified so it does more. And all of a sudden, it's not about you anymore. Now it becomes honoring to God. The other group says, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm called to be in the back. I'm, I'm not an upfront person. I'm, I'm the sound guy behind the desk. We used to have a desk there in the back, and the sound guy used to stand there behind a little console and never move from it because he couldn't because he had to stay there. Nowadays, the sound guy can sit there in the third row from the front with a little iPad. So no, Drian's not playing games on the iPad while we're worshiping. He's actually helping. He's the sound guy <laughs> this morning. Thank you for that. I used to be the sound guy. I used to be the sound guy of Josh Jen. Who knew me then? Thomas knew me. You knew me a bit. I came here as the sound guy of Josh Jen to do sound training with guys. And that's what I thought I was called to. Stand behind the sound desk in the back. I thought that my calling was, and gifting, was to make Andrew sound great. Make his voice audible. 
make the worship sound great so that the people could worship. For years, I never worshipped. For years, I stood in the back doing the little knobs and little sliders, not participating in worship. I don't look like that anymore, do I? How did that happen? God. See, God can give you gifts that you don't have now. You can desire more than what you were born with. We read that multiple places in the Bible. Elisha followed Elijah. And when Elijah was going to be taken up alive, you know what he did? He said, I am not going to let you go to God unless I can have double your anointing. And he insisted on having double the anointing, and he got it. That's a principle. You can ask God. You can say, God, give me more. If your, if your child comes to you and he says, we were talking about it this morning. It's like, parents are awesome things. I'm one. <laughs> I am. I'm awesome as a parent. I really am. I buy my kids stuff that I really have to budget for. I have to dig really down. That guitar there that Benjamin now plays is no longer my guitar. You know the red guitar that he was playing? That's mine. He now has a Fender electric guitar. Hopefully we can sell some equipment that we bought with it and get the money back. That's going to be so hard to do because it's such cool stuff that we got with it. We've got a bargain and we can sell some and actually that could be free. But you know what? I had to take money out of my bond to buy the equipment that was on offer. It wasn't hard to do. It really wasn't hard to do. Because I'm a parent. I do it easily for my kids. So we, bad parents, like, yes, as awesome as I think I am, I am not that great. My kids are growing up with some insecurities, not enough love, and some, I don't know what else I'm doing wrong, that they're going to have to deal with as grown-ups and get rid of, and they're going to have to trust God to actually help them in life, to go past what I have, I have done, as, as I try the best I can, right? But even I easily give them more when they ask. God is the good father. When you ask him, when you ask him for more of him and more in him and more gifts to be closer to him and work with him, he will not say no. Watch out, because you might end up leading a church. Because I asked. I did. I got to a point where I said, God, I want more. I want more. And I'm telling you, me, I cannot lead a church. I can't. I wasn't the class captain. I wasn't the head boy. I never spoke on a microphone in Josh Jen. Never. When Malpus lost their lead elder, and I was full-time staff in Josh Jen, Grant Baker led Malpos, who runs a multinational company. No, it's not a multinational, but he runs a big company of his own. I supported him. True story. (laughs) But God, but God, God worked in my life so that when there was a need for somebody to come lead this congregation, over 10 directing elders in Josh Jen spent time together that know me really well. They've known me for more than 20 years. And they had lots of plans and my name wasn't on it. And they all went and prayed about it and spent time separately. And the next morning they came back and my name was an Otsurin on all of their notes. Because God, God 
wants to do that in each and every life. I know he doesn't want to stop me here. There's the nations to go to. I'm going, please God, can we do this from Otsurin? I love this place. I bought a house. <laughs> I've got foundations down here. But there's, there are nations out there that need to hear God's voice. God's call for you is to love one another in such a way that your gift becomes a blessing to the church that is so big that it reaches nations. That is his call on your life. It is not small. So none of us are called to the workplace. You are not. So should we all be full-time staff in a church? No. No. But what does that gift look like? And how do you serve that? Where's your focus? So Acts 2.42 says, And they devoted themselves to what? The fellowship. Devoted means that you are purposed for. The fellowship. Here's a question. Wednesday comes. You know, we, we get blessings in our lives and then we use, we, we use them as either excuses or they become curses. We get a new job. And it's great at first. God gave me this job. I prayed for it. It's so amazing. He's providing for me. Now I can buy food. It's amazing. God's giving me this job. Sorry, I can't come to church. I'm too tired. Sorry, I had to work late on Wednesday. Couldn't come to community. I've seen people in the years of being in, on, on leadership in church that has this cycle in their life. They don't have a job. Then we pray with them. They find a job. Then they stop coming to church. Not immediately. It takes a year. Then they excel in their job. And guess what? They lose their job. And then they're back in church. Would God get you fired to keep you saved? I hope so. I would pray for that. Shocking. Lead elder would pray that people will not have jobs. I would. Because if your, if your job takes you out of church, then I'd rather that you'd be hungry and on the pantry and dependent on the rest of the guys that can work and come to church. So, Wednesdays, it's not in the Bible that we have to go to community, right? But devoted to the fellowship. Devoted. Devoted means there's only one little bit that I can fellowship. It's just a Wednesday for two hours. How could I miss that? I, you can't afford to. In this world, in this year, as busy as you're going to be this year, you cannot afford to miss community. There are only, on average, about 30 of them in the year. Maybe even less. I used to be in corporate. I worked for Business Connection. It's the biggest IT solutions company in Southern Africa. And I, I thought that was quite cool, working for them in IT and corporate. I sometimes squirrel down that line in conversation with people and tell them way too much about my old job rather than my life in God. But, you know what, it was hard to work there sometimes. Sometimes I lost focus on the church. Sometimes I lost focus on God. And, and my heart would drift at times. I'm not, I'm not somebody that's always just done this. I know how hard it is to keep your heart connected to God and keep that focus. I know what it feels like to work a 10-hour day and then do the sound for worship practice. And then set out the chairs for Sunday. And then go to a leaders meeting. And then lead a community. I know. It is hard work. You will need God. And if you 
start feeling tired, not just the heat tired, but if you start feeling tired and run down and dry and I can't do this, actually you've lost connection with Jesus. You need to run back to him. He has called you to serve each other, but he came to earth to serve you. Isn't that an awesome thing? Jesus came to serve us. That's in God's nature. God says, be like me. When he says, serve each other, he says, be like me. So imitate me in serving one another, in loving one another. Imitate me. That's who God is. God first loves us. If you feel, I don't have it in me, then you need to turn to Jesus very quickly. Help me, God. Give me that, what I need. It should be an overflow of your relationship with him that becomes what you look like to the rest of the, the church. And it should overflow so much out of you into the church that it starts affecting the world outside of the church. Are we called to be a holy huddle as a church? Yes and no. Not a click. A click is like Legos. You know, if you build your Legos wrong, now Lucas isn't here because he could tell us all about Legos. He's in kids' church. But when you build the look, the, you, when your design is wrong on Lego, then you run out of those little knobbly bits that you can connect to and then you're then your thing that you're building won't connect strongly anymore. The church, and that's clicky, right? click, 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 click into place, Lego blocks. They only have one surface that connect. You can connect on all your surfaces, not like Legos, because we are not supposed to click so well into each other that we are no longer able to connect to the next and the next and the next. God wants to add to us those that are getting saved. It means that we have to connect. But you will need Jesus to do that. Here's the thing that I did find. Every time I started using the gifts that God had placed in me, life sucked. I ran dry so quickly. When I started doing lights and production and stage and stuff, part-time with a friend of mine and his company in Cape Town for CTICC events and stuff, it was fun while I did it, but it left me depleted. I was using what God had given me as a gift for the church, for myself. It will always not work out well. Bring that gift and be devoted. Do not settle for less than everything you can be in God. Be ambitious in God's kingdom. Do not set, please don't settle for less than what God has called you to. This is a story of Peter. You you might be sitting here and saying, I've, I've lost a little bit of that vigor. I've lost what I first saw. I've lost my passion. Peter was that disciple. He was like all in. Like you couldn't stop him. He was a zealot. He, he would rip out his sword and, and, and start slashing people apart. It's like people wouldn't give their lives to Jesus, wouldn't follow him. He says, let's kill them and go on to the guys that want to. Just bring fire down. They're not listening to the gospel. Get rid of them. <laughs> and Jesus went, whoa. No, no, no. A good example of a Christian, isn't it? Huh? <laughs> the disciples, they did this. <laughs> Zealous for the calling. Because Jesus said, follow me. And he, he, he was so desperate for people to get it that he, he was willing to do anything for it. And then he denied Jesus. No, no, I don't know him. Three times. I don't know him. And then... He doesn't get a reprieve. You know, if you've, if you've like done the worst thing to your best friend and then he dies, you can't get that back. Peter was stuck there. 
Lucky for him, his best friend was resurrected immediately, three days later. And he did get to see him again. He did get to be the one to apologize. And then Jesus restores him. What does he say when he restores him? What is the call that Jesus puts on his life? Feed my sheep. If you love me, love them. That is the call. If you love me, love them. Love them. The other people in this hall this morning, love them. If you love Jesus, love them. Not just on a Sunday morning sitting in a pew. This is not love, guys. It's going to be in the week. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to take time. It's going to take planning. It'll take sacrifice. Don't let your children, parents, that's meant to be a blessing, be a curse. My biggest concern for parents with little kids is if you're not showing them the way. Your kids will do what you do. If you do not serve the church with your full life, your kids will do that. And when, one day when they're 20 years old and not in church and getting married to unsaved partners, you're going to say, what, had, what went wrong? What went wrong is it was inconvenient to take your little children to church because maybe they're going to annoy somebody. The rest of us, guys, suck it up. We love kids. We want them in church. I want to hear them in the back of church. Because that is how they will know how to be in church. Their first waking moments of recollection would be we were always in church. I have seen that with parents that did that with their kids. I have seen people for 20 years in Josh Jane that did not do that with their kids. Where their talent was more important than church. I have dear friends whose children are world champions in their sports. Not serving God. I know some kids that are world champions that are in church. Because God made a way. No, I've gone too long. Go and tell the story. <laughs> Guys, the key to bringing your kids up in the way of God is this. Teach your children in the way that they should go. And when they're older, they will not depart, depart from it. What does it look like? Community on Wednesday. Does that mean that in the community, you are not going to have that deeper conversation about your life? You might have to go for a coffee some other day to do that because your children are there. They can't sleep in community. True story. You can put them down at your feet and say, but you train them at home. Ask Liesl how. She did that. Train them at home to stay on a little mat for five minutes, for 10 minutes. For 15 minutes, community leaders, be sensitive. You've got little kids with lots of adrenaline if it's boys. And if they're awake past seven, even more. Be sensitive. Does it mean that now you're going to have to have coffees during the week? Yes, it will. Parents, allow other people to speak into your lives. It's very difficult. Where's my Nathan? He's, is he young? He's helping at Kids Church. <laughs> My Nathan, I had Michael, and he was the advertising department. There's my Nathan. <laughs> advertising department. Everybody wanted babies because Michael in the early Josh Gen. And then Nathan came, and he was way busier as a little one. We were always looking for him. 
It was Michael Benjamin and Varus Nathan. He once bit one of the other elders that found him behind the church running away. It was about two. <laughs> and then they said, you must punish him. And I said, I can't. I taught him to do that. You're a stranger to him. <laughs> yeah, but I was bringing him back to church. Thank you for that. Sorry that he bit you. <laughs> Stranger danger. But I allowed other people to speak into our lives. That said, you know what? With your little Nathan, and there was another Nathan in Melpos, Ivan van Vieren's Nathan, and Ivan said, you know what? I have to take my Nathan out of church during worship and go walk around with him for five minutes, and then we can come back and do another song. Parents, if that's you, it's cool. Do it. If that's what your child needs. But bring them to church. Make them part of this. Let them grow up in what they should be. Because when they're older, they will not depart from this. Then they will love the church. And then they will sacrifice for it. What we value, we sacrifice for. If the sacrifice is too high, it means you don't value it enough. Ask yourself that question. I've gone in the direction. Let me come back and land. Very quickly. You hear it, guys? You hear it. Come speak to me. Speak to your community leaders. Say, guys, I find it difficult. I shared a song from We the Kingdom. It's their new song. came out this week. The plan. God's got a plan for your life. The plan that God has for you is good. And he works all things together for good for you, according to that plan. But that's God's plan. That means you have to live his plan. It says, God works all things together for good for those that walk according to his plan and purpose. It means that the plan that you're living is not your plan. It means that you've got to take whatever you've got for this year and submit it to God and say, God, is this your plan? And then, radically or not, chuck the bits out that are not, is not in God's plan and add the parts that's in God's plan that's not in your plan. Or... You might be sitting here and actually your whole plan is just not God's plan. There's no one bit that's God's plan. Will you be that radical this morning to say, God, your plan, not my plan? Will it be an easy plan? No, God's plan's not easy. It's a challenge. The easy plan is to stay home on Wednesdays with your kids. But will it work out together for good in the long plan? Will you this morning exchange your plan for God's plan? I'm first going to pray for us. Yeah, Father God, I pray that you would give us the strength this morning, Lord, to respond to you. Father, that you would give us the strength to not just respond this morning, Lord, but that, like we prayed this morning in the prayer before the time, that as, as the stone eats the water, that the ripple effect would actually go through our entire life and touch all those around us. God, your plan, not my plan.